Alrighty, welcome back everybody to the Faultline Podcast. Our esteemed editor Tommy Flanagan is struggling with Belgium's uh, premium fizzy beer. <laughs> um, the one that was dropped on the floor earlier yes, is yes. now all over my crotch. Oh lovely. And um, <laughs> So it's, it's two of us today, Rafi's on holiday, he'll be back at some point to uh, tell us about LA I hope. But Tommy, you've been, you've been jet setting, uh, you've been to Boston and, and recently uh, Westminster, so how, how's that been? Yeah, yeah, a bit of a hiatus. Holiday last week, of course, as well. So we haven't done a podcast for a while. And Boston, the week before that, I was in Boston streaming Media East. And that was interesting because Faultline uh, was in two places at once for, I think, the first time ever, which is the benefit of having this glorious expanding team of reporters. Well, I was in Boston Rafi was at OTTX Summit, I think. X Fronts, I think it. X Fronts, yeah. that's the one. Yeah. So yeah, we, we've been all over Faultline, which is which has been amazing. Um, streaming Media East was cool. The 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 highlight for me wasn't actually from Streaming Media East itself. It was from the sort of warm up show, the Content Delivery Summit on day one, and then it was two days of Streaming Media East, and that was a lot more techy than the. Uh, the following two days where I um, moderated a, a panel on uh, something about live streaming. It was very vague, but um, I enjoyed that. But the, the highlight for me was um, Harmonics' Jeffrey Gilbert. He uh, ruffled some feathers with a, a presentation that he did a bit of um, number crunching and went off down quite a few of these weird analogy rabbit holes, but he eventually got to the crux of it, which is that the current CDN spend is unsustainable really because for every dollar spent on um cdn the isps are spending oh i can't remember the exact number i should have got this up really like it was a, it was a big ratio it was something like six to one or something like that was it 200 or 400 oh, okay dollars for every one dollar spent sorry jeff i've completely um <laughs> 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 it's my fault for not having it in front of me and thinking i can make it up as i go along but it was a bit it was big anyway um, so one possible outcome of that is that we have more situations like in South Korea where ISPs are suing the likes of Netflix or the ISPs start working more collaboratively with the uh, the content providers or actually Netflix is a prime example because it's a content provider with its own CDN so then do we have more in- instances of this of, of content providers building their own CDNs and this actually does dovetails quite well with the piece Alex wrote this week on mm. CDM pricing and there's been a bit of a debate on, on LinkedIn about this following one of the uh, the pieces uh, from Stream Media East but um, fast forwarding to this week in the present I was in some very glamorous surroundings this week more so than uh, Vegas and Boston <laughs> after waltzing through the very stringent security at the Palace of Westminster in my £15 charity shop soup for the... Did I say soup? I heard soup. <laughs> soup. <Yeah. laughs> for the Greening of Streaming parliamentary event. And this was um, a get-together that had just exploded. It was, um, I think it was north of 100 people there when it was only supposed to be half that size originally. Um, just to raise the kind of political profile of this non-profit group which anyone who listens to podcasts or reads Faultline will probably be familiar with because we've given them uh, a fair bit of coverage because it's a good uh, cause and 
it was quite impressive because, well, more than quite, it was uh, it was mind blowing really that they managed to organise this because they it's only a year old. All of a sudden, we're in this actual in the actual Westminster. You know, <laughs> it was it was all very surreal. Um, so what it was, we were gathered on the on the terrace pavilion um, for talks from Labour MP Dr. Alan Whitehead and Conservative MP Matt Warman. So for anyone unfamiliar with UK uh, politics, these are the opposite opposition parties coming together. So it's quite nice to see them set their differences aside and you know against this common enemy of climate change. That's what Greenie's Stream is all about. But it's not all sunshine, rainbows, fluffiness, because the both of them actually threw some shade on their colleagues down the hall and in the in the House of Commons, which we weren't very far from at all, calling them basically clueless about technology and sort of impervious to change so it was i quite enjoyed that they were um yeah getting sassy about their colleagues and i loved that um matt warman actually he referenced a hang on let me just get it up uh, uh, there was a story circling in december 2019 claiming that 30 minutes streaming is well was at the time equivalent to driving four miles in a car and he essentially said that this was absolute. It, it transpired that this was absolute bollocks, um, <laughs> and that is kind of typical of this industry. And there's a bit of a di- data dilemma, and everyone's throwing these figures around. And I thought it was quite ironic that everyone's talking about f- figures and stats and making these comparisons. Dr. Whitehead brought up a comparison, a statistic that all the world's data centers uh, consume between 200 terawatt hours per year, 250 terawatt hours per year, which is comparable to the energy output of the entire UK at about 235 terawatt hours per year. But I mean, do, do you think that every data center on the planet has come together and decided on a common way of measuring power consumption course they didn't we can't trust that these numbers are absolute rubbish but that ties into essentially what greeny streaming is trying to do this joined up thinking common language and it's an extremely complicated so i felt like this was a sort of distraction they were getting praised um, for their mission um, which is great but i felt like the actual mission was kind of a little bit lost and what its members are trying to achieve was a little bit lost and what the academic geniuses are trying to achieve. Like Dr. Dan Sheen of Bristol University, who I met and had a chat with, and I'm hoping to be follow up with for a chat pretty soon. Obviously, this wasn't so much of a distraction for these people who were like really deeply involved with it, but for the kind of wider audience of people not clued up on on this side of things like the mainstream journalists who were there the real journalists uh, from like the guardian and the bbc and stuff who would probably just swallow all these figures as gospel mm. you know so in actual news they did actually have something to share which was kind of cool so the champions league final which happened last month the members have managed to convince their customers streaming customers to um collect data and power consumption data unfortunately just as i was sort of poised to uh, write down some some brand new figures that we could 
um, share. The, unfortunately, the data is too raw uh, at the moment um, <laughs> to share. So we're going to be waiting quite a while before they can actually share any of that. But as I said in the piece, my big concern there is because you may, may remember that uh, Premier League football match that happened in December last year. Um, it was the first ever net zero match. It involved Sky Sports, BT Sport and BBC Sport normally competing in, in broadcast of football. But they lay down their weapons to come together, find out the most sustainable and efficient ways um, of, of streaming a football, football match. Um, but it's now June, it's over six months, and we still haven't got the finished report. I've been making a nuisance of myself, knocking on doors of the vendors involved, like AWS, Blackbird, um, plenty others. And people are telling me that the data is there, but they can't share it in its finished form. I mean, this this just sounds like the data doesn't tell the story that yeah. they want it to. Right? <laughs> exactly. And what else I mean, are we to think? Yeah. Are they, are they, yeah manipulating the data to fit agendas or are they just frolicking around like trying to lay it out in a in the perfect white paper with some pretty pictures or even uh messing around trying to sort out celebrity endorsements as i've actually criticized blackford blackbird for doing in its uh, latest sustainability white paper this week so that's extremely frustrating like and is this the bar that's been set like every time there's a uh, a project that we have to wait at least six months to see anything? Seven months, eight months, a year? I mean, I know it's not an easy thing to do. It's a very complicated thing once you get down to the, the data. That's why computer scientists like Dr. Sheen are involved, because you need um, some some serious IQ. But um, yeah, it's, it's annoying. Um, so my other big criticism was not being any Q&A session. Uh. That was fully to be expected with politicians involved, but I, I did run around speaking to people afterwards and I managed to establish, because a big issue that I kind of have found that getting the cloud computing computing giants on boards is, is proving pretty difficult. Um, and I think it's probably imperative to the mission that they are involved with greening of streaming and they sign up. So I found out that some unnamed um, cloud computing giants are getting close to signing up, whether it's an AWS, Azure, Google Cloud, Oracle, or whatever. I did spot an AWS name badge in the audience. So we could have some progress there soon. And the last point, actually, is that the World Cup happening in winter is going to be the next testbed for Greening Streaming members so you might notice a common theme here of uh football which is great for me because i love football yeah. so yeah hopefully we'll have some more data to share soon i wouldn't be surprised if um the the membership list doubles after this event because yeah it was a pretty good endorsement yeah and some positive environmental stuff will be a nice distraction from the inevitable like human rights abuse stuff that crops up in qatar so yes that's a good point <laughs> some nice distractions something to have up the sleeve i reckon um, yeah, so swings and roundabouts, Tommy, I guess, on the environmental front. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I, I mean, I've got vague memories of a recent fault on article I did where the, the argument was that data centers were sort of 14% of global energy use now and that it was going to scale up 
terribly so yeah like we've been kicking tires and seeing what what metrics we can have a look at but i did find that um that investment number that we missed before um and it's a decent segue um but it's 440 dollars for each dollar of of isp ah, spending there we go. Yeah, so good thing I wasn't trying to ballpark it. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, the point there, right, is that if you give people bandwidth, they will use it. And I've never had much sympathy for the ISPs, like, complaining that people are using their, like, unlimited data plans. Um, and and then similarly, like, in the mobile side, they always have sort of priced it the wrong way around. They've always priced on a volume basis rather than, like, a bandwidth basis. So, like, on the mobile front and the fixed line front, they've taken, like, opposite tracks. Um, but you only really hear these sorts of complaints from the fixed line operators, um, which, I mean, like, historically, that's just because they've all collectively, like, underinvested in their um, their fixed line, you know, infrastructure. Whereas, like, the wireless guys, you know, oh, no, we're running out of room. Quick, let's just spend $20 billion on, <laughs> on like, spectrum licenses. Um, which, yeah, isn't great. In, in another way but yeah as tommy mentioned i was writing about cdns um and just the sort of pricing and like we went digging through the the rethink tv uh sort of archive to to look at the sort of historic um data we've had there and like just on that point of like the unrelenting growth of video um it, when you sort of compare the the sort of cdn revenue per like exabyte um you do see these uh prices coming down but like that's that sort of entirely like expected like it's not really surprising um and then the sort of more interesting part i think for the sort of cdn bit was that um you have a sort of innate need if you're a cdn vendor to like keep providing the same volume of traffic but you know do it more uh, efficiently and that's i think where we're going to see stuff like WebRTC um and decentralized uh, cdn kind of come into play um, which is something that like we've written about in the past, um, but we got got a few graphs in, in this fault line. If you want to dig into that topic, um, and yeah, I mean like if you're, if you're a rethink TV sub, I'm sure you've seen that stuff before. Um, but yeah, it's it's just um, yeah, huge sort of growth in in video. Like we're talking thousands of exabytes. Um, it's it's about 1400 in in 2020, and off the top of my head, we're like nudging 15,000 by 2027. So. You know, as more people come online and as more people want to watch like high quality video content, you know, we have to pay for it somewhere. And then there's like a good sort of environmental tie in because, of course, every video we deliver is using electricity and we're delivering it to a video device. So, um, you know, I think you could make a really cynical argument that the video industry is, you know, almost almost kind of reckless uh, in its sort of desire to up the quality at the expense of like their carbon emissions but i mean it just goes back to the point that there's not enough data out there to sort of make those claims but yeah you, you definitely get the feeling that you know all these hdr upgrades and 4k and 8k if you were to sort of evaluate them on the sort of uh environmental output uh yeah i i don't know if you know a neutral panel would be sort of approving them if, if we lived in that kind of world but yeah that was that was pretty interesting and then Something else that uh, I was looking at uh, was sort of timely and related to the sport thing is that Netflix is now rumored to be sort of jumping into the the sports rights market, and this is it's it kind of makes sense on a content front because it's had this like fairly successful series called Drive to Survive, where they follow these F one teams around. But this is also a bit of a sea change um, because we've got 
Netflix launching the ad-supported strategy, which again, there's no there's no detail on. Like there's, there's there's nothing tangible there. But also, this would be the beginning of live content for Netflix, and you can kind of see how using a nascent sort of growing sport in the U.S., which is like Formula One, paying a hundred million dollars a year for the rights to that um, as a way to get people in the door, and then say, hey, you know, you tuned in to watch the race. Here's here's our uh, here's our documentary that's showing you the behind the scenes stuff. Do you want to watch it in the you know the ramp up to next week kind of thing? And and how you turn people from ad base to SVOD. So yeah, I mean live content for Netflix to sort of shore up an advertising uh, pivot. That that makes a lot of sense, I think. Um, but yeah, uh, Formula One has um, it's got a bunch of case studies if you're interested about its remote production um, capabilities because. It pulls instead of sending like trailers and lorries full of you know camera gear around, um, those racetracks are actually set up so that they they have their own sort of cameras there all the time, so they never move. So you just remove like the transport costs. Um, I've forgotten the vendor that they use, but they they backhaul all the live video into a um, a sort of a remote production center in London, and then that gets sent out everywhere. So like that's that's kind of interesting, and I think joining up um, the sort of the, the tail end uh, with with the front that we were talking about on the environmental stuff. Is it um, as good as NASCAR though? I mean, NASCAR is pretty chaotic, and Formula <laughs> One can be pretty boring sometimes. <laughs> so I mean, swings and roundabouts, left turns and, and chicanes. Yeah, that's it. I mean, what's uh, interesting? I was just looking at the lineup of um, headlines in this week's fault line. We've got Alex's Netflix F1 story. Just below that, there's a story on TV operating systems where um, Roku has been talking about uh, how it's predicting that the, the TV operating system market will consolidate to two, maybe three operating systems in the entire world, and that uh, maybe we exclude China, but um, which is, I think, um, pretty ridiculous. Obviously, we have that in the smartphone space, but I don't think that's going to happen in the... TV space anytime soon. There's just too many players involved. But the point is that Netflix and Roku are above each other there. Um, just before going to press, it had a um, headline arrive in my inbox about Netflix being rumoured to acquire Roku. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, everyone, I, I feel, was being rumoured to acquire Roku at some point. It seems five minutes ago, Comcast was going to buy <laughs> Roku. But that would immediately take Netflix into ads without having to build its own ad business so that's something to explore next week i might throw that one at rafi for his um for his uh, return back from holiday decent Alrighty then um tommy should we look at the worth noting yes five years ago was a funny one actually yeah this week because we were ridiculing a uh, (laughs) a forecast back in 2017 June 2017, that said Netflix would reach 128 million subscribers by 2022, which would mark a 44% increase from the 89 million at the end of 2016. Obviously, it's blasted that. And we knew that at the time, five years ago. We knew this prediction was so wide of the mark that we didn't even mention the name of the forecaster because we are so nice like that that we wanted to spare the blushes. And boy, I'm I bet that whoever published that report is glad that we uh, we didn't name them and we're not naming them now five years later yeah. because yeah, yeah now uh, well as of Q1 Netflix had 222 million decent so yes. 
as someone who has to do forecasting, like I'm quite pleased no one you know makes it a, makes a habit of digging back through my old ones. But <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. not easy. But um, that actually reminded me, Tommy, of something that that popped up when the 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 half hour of streaming being equivalent to driving x x miles i can't remember if if you were here or not if it was before you joined but like peter and i had this big giggle about um some academic had sent through a you know he put his own press release out basically saying that the arrival of i think it was wi-fi 5 at the time was going to like cause rolling brownouts in the uk because the cpe was going to use so much more power (laughs) (laughs) just just sitting there idling (laughs) that was that was great um, so yeah, academics are very, very good in very niche areas, but I don't think they're generalists. Yeah, they should. Um, yeah, sometimes I feel people should stick to uh, what they're good at and not writing. Yep, st- stay, stay in your lane. Yes, leave that <laughs> to us, please. Yeah, um, but but not us. We're great. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, my little worth noting. Um, I mean, uh, we're, we're having like a 1980s throwback um, with you know what's going on in the news and, and things. But Top Gun uh, is smashing records, and we if if you know if this isn't just like a high watermark, it does suggest that the Hollywood box office uh, sort of industry is back to normal. But again, like famous last words. So yeah, um, sort of uh, 750 million dollars in a couple of weeks. So it's definitely on track for a billion, and and that. That is encouraging, I think, for most of the content houses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sticking with the sustainability theme, it's quite interesting that Zatu, which is a Swiss um, streaming company, is um, putting out its kind of own carbon footprint and it started calculating it using this um, firm called Climate Partner Ooh. and says its 2021 carbon uh, emissions were 543 tonnes of CO2, which is a... 20% reduction on its 2019 numbers. So it's, it's, it's been measuring, measuring these for a, a while. That is mostly because of um, the pandemic and reducing all these uh, uh, travel and, and, and everything yeah. else and logistics and supply chains. Um, but um, that's, that's that's pretty impressive. But one of my, my favourite um, uh, worth noting actually this week is that, do you remember Uverse? Mm. <laughs> this long forgotten AT&T video service that is now no longer available to buy for new customers. It's still running, but you can't sign up if you want to. Um, and there's a sort of letting it wither on the vine. And it was spun off last year, of course. It's ranked highest on the American Consumer Satisfaction Index for the fifth year running. That is impressive. Very impressive. And with the exception of Verizon Fios and DirecTV, which were just flat in their scores, yeah. Every other pay TV service in the running saw scores decline. Nice. Uh, it's particularly bad viewing for Altis USA because Optimum Sunlink were the two bottom uh, <laughs> bands of the American Consumer Satisfaction Index, falling five percent and four percent respectively. Unlucky. Yeah, I, I know. Like it's our job, right? And I know we're on the outside, but you do wonder, like, how difficult is it to run a video service and like not upset customers, like? They've 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 had what four decades, nineteen seventies, you know, satellite and HBO was kicking around. Like, yeah, you think <laughs> you think by now, right? They just sorted it out, but I guess not. And I guess that's why Faultline is, is so? worth uh, yeah reading. I was just about to say, yeah, the fact that they've all been <laughs> shit is why we get paid. Exactly. <laughs> so keep on being shit. Yeah. So so on that note, like you know, if you want a four week free trial to read Faultline, head to rethinkresearch.biz. 
because uh, that's where you'll find it. Um, Rethink TV, we've just put out our low latency distribution forecast, so you can check the exact summaries for that. Uh, what are we working on there? Rafi will be doing content recommendations and personalization, so that'll be coming out soon, I hope. Um, we got a webinar for low latency distribution, so you know, head to the website, you'll, you'll spot that? a link there. Uh, it's not the next Tuesday, it's the Tuesday after. I think the 24th. Uh, I think I think that's the number. But yeah, that should be decent. Um, so, Tommy, is there anything on the calendar after your action pack, you know, three weeks or so? Anything on the calendar for the uh, next week? Hopefully no traveling. Lovely. And just a normal week. We're just going to churn out some great stories and hopefully a couple of interviews in there as well. Keep that carbon footprint low. Oh, yeah. Excellent. All right. Thank you very much, Tommy. Uh, we will see you all next week, probably, dear listeners. And um, yeah, bye-bye from me. Thank you. Cheers, then.